Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games we play. My guest today is a friend of the show and the Duke of Education on the Dukes of Gaming podcast and future arcane shopkeeper, Alfredo Takori. Hey Alfredo. Hey, nice to finally meet up with you and talk about The Messenger, a game I've been dying to talk about with you. Yeah, for sure. So like you said, today's game is The Messenger, which is a 2D action platformer developed by Sabotage Studio and published by Devolver Digital. It's kind of how you know it's quality, Devolver Digital. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) This game came out in 2018, and the elevator pitch for The Messenger is a new retro version of Ninja Gaiden, kind of like how Shovel Knight was the new retro version of a lot of uh, older games. Sound good to you? Yeah, I I think in their, well, summary, like their initial promo was when this game originally came out uh, back in the day, like what, two, three years ago, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. They were really <laughs> saying how it involved time travel and it's supposed to be like in the story as a spoiler, but they put it all over their promotional material. But they were like saying, this is like a, a time travel game. So, but yeah, yeah, I think you pretty much, pretty much nailed it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. The time travel thing, I thought it was a spoiler too. And then I watched the trailer for the game and I was like, oh, they put it in the trailer. It's fine to talk about it. Yeah, they even have references throughout the game saying, oh, if you saw our promo material, you'll you'll know that this game isn't actually done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, but before we get too deep into the messenger, I want to kind of talk about some other games we're playing. So Alfredo, what have you been on recently? Yeah, uh, recently I've been playing as of, as of like five minutes ago. I was uh, catching up on the new Pokemon game remake. The Pokemon Brilliant Diamond is the version I'm playing. Okay. Pretty much exactly what you expect out of Pokemon. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed in the quote unquote improvements of that the remake was supposed to uh, involve. Uh, it does look good. I do like the style, but uh, like. For example, one thing I was excited for was the ability to customize your trainer in that you can like have new clothes and stuff like that, kind of mm-hmm. like with Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, but I finally got the ability to do that probably five hours or six hours into the game, finally got the ability <laughs> and come to it, it turns out that you can only pick your outfits, like the set outfits that are available. You can't select, oh, you want this jacket and pants, and you want these shoes. That's that's not an option for you. So a little disappointing, but it's Pokemon. It's, it's fun. Uh, aside from that, I am playing another game called Inscription, which is like this card, yeah. the newest card deck battler. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, kind of like Slay the Spire and Grifflands, things like that. But like with a little spooky twist to it, it's it's not what it appears to be on the uh, on the surface, basically. And the first part of the game, I won't spoil it for you, but the first part of the game absolutely fell in love with it it combines like these puzzle mechanics as well as this regular card game mechanic which is very Yu-Gi-Oh, and i love it so much and mm-hmm. then it deviates from that formula a little bit farther and farther that you go and i started loving it a little less more and more as the game goes so i think i think i'm in the final act now and uh i'm kind of at this point forcing myself to play it because it turns into something i'm not super super in love with but yeah yeah. that 
did you play that guy's other famous game, Pony Island? Pony Island. I didn't, but I I did. I believe I saw like a uh, a let's play of it. So okay. I know I know he's into the weird stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say like he's into kind of subverting what you're expecting mm-hmm. and throwing in weird stuff. Yeah, I'm super interested in that game inscription. I just don't have a PC that can play it. So mm. I'm kind of like, you know, hoping for console ports because that's also uh, Devolver Digital. Right. I'd be surprised if you didn't get that sooner rather than later considering how popular this game is. Yeah. And the, some people brought up like not to like not to really go into something I don't really know a whole lot about because I haven't played it, but it's is it it's one of those games that it's kind of like, you know, meta like it, it's it knows mm. that you're playing on a PC like that. Basically, I don't want to say yeah. too much because it does some cool things, like you're saying, to mess with that. But it it is very meta. It is very uh, in your face. Like, oh, this is a game. Oh, this is not what you're playing. Right. It turns. I'm not gonna say much on it because a whole bunch of spoilers. But yeah, yes, is the short answer. Yeah. So if it's doing stuff like that, maybe it won't come out on a console, but they did the same thing with Doki Doki literature club. They put that mm-hmm. on switch and that was fine. So right. I'm holding out hope. Cause I hear it's great. I'm really interested in card games. So mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. One of the better ones I would say. Sweet. That, um, and the, those Pokemon games, like I'm, I'm probably not going to buy the diamond and pearl remakes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of great memories playing those as opposed to some of the earlier ones. Like I was mm-hmm. super excited for Soul Silver and those. Right. But you know if you're if you're into Pokemon, if you really like the old Pokemon games, I'm sure that you're going to like Diamond and Pearl remake cuz Game Freak never changes stuff too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. In it I'm pretty much the same as you. I'm actually not a Pokemon fan that much, but I'll play it if it's available. And the only reason why I'm playing it now is because I didn't buy it. I got it as a gift. So Oh, well, I there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if, if, if I had to spend my own money on it, I would not for sure. Um, especially considering I feel like, you know, you play one Pokemon game, you played them all. They're, yeah. they're pretty much the same. Exactly. Yeah. If they if they keep going down this path and they end up remaking black and white and then black two and white two, I might be more tempted to buy those because I didn't actually play those back in the mm. day. And I heard that one of them, maybe black two and white two, actually has a decent story for the first time in the history of too. the Pokemon games. Right. <laughs> it's not just the same exact, oh, you have a rival. Oh, go get all the gym badges. The yeah. end. Yeah, That's what no. I heard as well no weird plots about like some terrorist organization trying to bring about the end of the world. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. What's funny about this game though, is that I thought I never played this game before. The first (laughs) and only Pokemon game that I played was Pokemon platinum. I did Mm -hmm. play Pokemon sword, but Pokemon platinum, but I never knew this until today, but apparently Pokemon platinum is kind of a remake of, pokemon brilliant diamond and pearl it was like the next game but they just yeah. added like this extra section toward the yeah. end or something like that you know how pokemon always does that thing where they release the two games and then like mm-hmm. the next year they release the third one that's kind of like the you know enhanced version mm-hmm. it, and platinum was that for um for diamond and pearl Ah, uh, yeah being not a pokemon uh you know 
lover. I did not know that before, until just now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, they always do that. They The Pokemon company is just like, they have this very strict like release routine for mm-hmm. just keeping the money machine going. And right, so... Right. Actually, I'm kind of surprised you haven't heard. We haven't heard anything about like a, a third version for Sword and Shield. Mm. Very true. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if they don't do it, it'll be the first time, literally the first time they've ever not done that third version. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see. Other than show stuff, um, stuff I'm playing for later episodes of the show. The only thing I'm playing right now that's not like that may or may not be on the show later is Final Fantasy 15 and I say Ooh. I don't know if it's going to be on the show cuz I don't know if I'm going to finish this game. <laughs> I just started it. <laughs> you never it. finished it before. I just started it for the first time mm. like um earlier this week. Interesting. And it's uh it's weird. It's weird as hell. I I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't have like very eloquent things to say about it yet. It's <laughs> it's so did you play it? Yeah, unfortunately okay. I did. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, I'm so taken aback. Like I was ready for weird plot nonsense because I know the development mm-hmm. history kind of like this doom. This game All was almost was. doomed from the beginning because of mm-hmm. how the development was. But I was not ready for the Wild West road trip, <laughs> like stereotypes up to level 100. Mm-hmm. I was not ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> they throw you, they throw you from some... There's there's a lot of nonsense in that game, and that's coming from me, somebody who loves Kingdom Hearts, which is also kind yes. of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> by and large, Final Fantasy 15 takes the cake. But at least you, I hope you're playing like the Royal Edition. Yeah, I am. Which is supposed to have like all of the extra content. I think they put some clips from the movie so that things make more sense because I when so. I was playing it. <laughs> Right. When I played it, when it first came out uh, Uh, for what, PS4? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Something like that. When it first came out, the story made no sense. There were times in the actual story sections that the music was way louder than like the people talking. So these gigantic things would be happening and you just don't know what's happening because you can't hear the people speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the story just makes no sense in general. So, you know, I was just playing it for the combat, which the combat was pretty good. I did have fun. It, that's mm-hmm. what really pulled me through to actually finishing the game. But whew, I hope I hope they do better when Final Fantasy 16 comes out. Well, it seems like they have some more trustworthy people or people with a more proven track record because the, the Final Fantasy 14 people are doing 16 mm-hmm. and that's 14. By all accounts, 14 is great, and I'll never play it, but by all accounts, it's great. So, (laughs) Well, 14, A Realm Reborn is great. The first time, they didn't get it right, and then they basically threw it out. So hopefully they can get it right the first time here and not just fix it in a bunch of patches. Yeah, like they they did for 14 and 15. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. basically. I don't know if 15 is fixed still. (laughs) You tell me. It's well like they you like you said they they did the royal edition that has all the DLCs in it that kind mm-hmm. of tell hidden parts of the story and they I assume they've worked on it to make it make more sense but I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard all the stories about how like 
when it first came out, nothing made any sense. And mm-hmm. the game was, yeah. uh, I don't want to say like broken and unplayable, but in a worse state than it is now. Yeah, it, I wouldn't say broken. I would just say bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the the bromance is what interested me uh, f- <laughs> to like get into it, and I can already kind of feel that. It's weird. I don't like any of the characters individually, but I like them mm-hmm. as a group. So yeah, that could carry it. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. G- keep keep going with it. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I would only recommend that final fantasy if you are a fan of final fantasy in general otherwise i probably wouldn't recommend it for a jrpg but i i do like the combat system so if you like the combat system stay with it yeah it's it's pretty fun similar enough to seven remake which i really love Mm -hmm. yeah seven remake was way better but yeah they definitely picked the good parts out of that game and implemented it in there yeah I, I'm going to keep going. I'm enjoying it. So we'll yeah. see oh. if, yeah, what's up? How many, how many hours are you in? Uh, maybe, maybe four or five, not too okay. far. Pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four or five hours into a JRPG. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Only a hundred hours to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what do you say we get into talking about the messenger? Let's do it. All right. I'm ready. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, well, during the break, you guys, listeners, enjoy some of this amazing messenger music. When we come back, we'll get into our histories with the messenger. back so we always start the show by giving our kind of history with the game and i guess the genre would work too here like if you ever played ninja gaiden or something like that so guest always goes first what's your history with the genre and then what made you want to play the messenger sure yeah so for me this game kind of came out of left field because i didn't know really about it much until it came out and i had only really known about it because so many people were raving about it and all of the different uh podcasts that i had listened to at the time everyone was raving about the messenger it was getting great reviews on all of the review sites some of my friends were actually talking about it and they were rarely even played indie games so i was like okay i need to check this out um So when it first came out, I initially, I got it, I think on my Switch was Mm -hmm. the first, was the place that I got it. And just because it lends itself so well to that gameplay, because I heard it was like this arcadey type game that you can put down and pick up kind of like Celeste. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't really know much about it other than it was, like you said, a Ninja Gaiden 2D action platformer, which seemed like it was right up my alley. So I picked it up, I started playing it, and I remember liking it a lot. And then for some reason, I stopped playing it. I never finished (laughs) it. 
And I think it's because when I started picking up, it was just so many different games that were coming out around the time that were these AAA games, things that I had to play in order to, you know, keep up with the gaming scene. So I ended up eventually dropping off with the messenger. And then I think I tried to pick it up one more time, like a year later. But at that point, I had absolutely no idea what was happening. No idea where to go. (laughs) Since this game is a Metroidvania, you have to kind of know, remember where you've been and where you need to go. And I just had none of that. So I just... I just didn't want to have to start all over again, Uh, even though this game isn't really that long of a game. But uh, I do remember from when I first played it, enjoying it, but not to the point where I was obsessed with it. I have to play this game. Um, But yeah, that's classic gamer behavior. Like, (laughs) I really fucking love this game and I don't know why I stopped playing it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's got a story with that. And did you play any of the older like Ninja Gaiden games? I didn't actually. The first and only game that is similar to this game that I had played prior to the Messenger was uh, Hollow Knight, I believe. That okay. was the only other ga- similar game I had played. I hadn't really played a Ninja Gaiden or anything like that. So okay. this one was totally new for me. Yeah, same here. So I'd never played any Ninja Gaiden game before either. And partly because I didn't have like a Super Nintendo or something when I was growing up. And Mm -hmm. then when I kind of like heard about them, I whenever people talk about Ninja Gaiden, they always talk about how hard they are. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm just never playing that because that doesn't (laughs) sound fun to me. I don't really like uh, I don't really like older games all that much, as Mm -hmm. people will hear on the show. But I especially like. Dark Souls ish type I games do. for their for the difficulty. I love Dark Souls and those kind of games, and I I love them for the challenge. Uh, not mm. to get on a tangent here, but I don't think Dark Souls is that difficult. Uh, you Ooh. just have to be up for the you have to be up for like the process of learning those games. Uh, at so the beginning, it's super hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I've been playing those games for so long now; it's really hard for me to think of them as super, super difficult. Um, okay, interesting. I think you're the first person who I ever have met who has said that before. <laughs> that, like, I, I'm not trying to like pull out my gamer card here, but like, <laughs> I think those games are fair. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. And the par- the thing that I always heard about Ninja Gaiden, the old games, and like most old difficult games is I don't mm-hmm. think that they're fair. I don't think yes. the difficulty is yep. fair. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm like, I'm absolutely never playing those cause I know I won't enjoy it, but interesting. Okay. I always thought they looked cool. And so when I saw the messenger, I was like, Oh, this looks cool. And it's on all of these, like you said, it's on all these like best switch games list. And mm-hmm. when it came out, I don't think I had a switch. I don't think I was like paying attention to games that much when it came out, so I didn't hear about it. But then, like mm-hmm. after the fact, like I said, it's the story of um, a lot of the Switch games on this um, on this podcast. Is like when I first bought my Switch, I was looking through like best Switch games, and it's mm-hmm. like play the Messenger. And I was like, okay, it's not that expensive. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. So, right. but unlike you, I pretty much devoured it my first time through. Just played it like all the time i'm pretty sure i beat it in like a week or less so 
really enjoyed it. And then I replayed it, oh, like a couple weeks ago, getting ready for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people listening, if you're wondering how long The Messenger is, I know uh, Alfredo mentioned it's not a super short game. It's uh, It took me 16 hours, my first playthrough, and my replay took me 11 hours. And I did a bit less challenge hunting in my second playthrough, but one of those things where you've done this before, you kind of have a little muscle memory. Um, do you mm. offhand know how long your playthroughs took? Um, I yeah, actually, my first playthrough, this one, the one that yeah. I just did for this, because I actually yeah. finished it. I think it took me about eight hours, and then with the DLC, it took me ten hours. Right. Yeah, I think uh, my my times are including the DLC for okay. sure, and we'll talk about that DLC later. So uh, let's kind of get into talking about the messenger and talking about what makes it special and what makes it worth your time and the first things i want to talk about because it's the first thing you're going to notice when playing the game is the art style which i don't always highlight art style on this podcast but i do think the messenger looks beautiful like beautiful Mm -hmm. pixel art in both of the um 8 and 16 bit styles I think all of the levels are really visually distinct from each other, which really helps later in the game when you're trying to backtrack and go find, you know, something. Those Mm -hmm. color schemes will really help you. Uh, It's something I praised Hollow Knight for, and the Messenger also does this really well. And just one other quick thing, the the backgrounds and like the... uh, fuck what are they the vistas in the background Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are absolutely gorgeous i'm going to post a few of those on the instagram page for the podcast uh for people who don't know but they look incredible yeah for sure speaking of old older games like you were saying things like games that were on the sega genesis thing like that things that remind you of that 16-bit era era this game absolutely nails and in a way that is different enough to bring it up to the modern era but nostalgic enough to honor you know everything that has come before i think they really nail the art style in that respect because like you said everything is gorgeous to look at everything feels good there's nothing out of place in terms of the very distinct biomes that they have as well which makes Mm -hmm. each level feel like a distinct level I I completely agree. This is definitely one of the uh, better looking 16-bit games that I have ever played. Yeah, and it it probably does that Shovel Knight thing where like it's not actually Shovel Knight would not be able to run on an NES. Like it's doing stuff that an NES game couldn't do. Uh, like mm-hmm. even visually, and I you know the Messenger is probably doing that too with the eight and 16 bit sections like it looks way better than a super nintendo game probably mm-hmm. could have but it does um evoke that nostalgia that you have for that era even mm-hmm. even for someone like me who didn't have a super nintendo i still i still played it and you know i have good memories playing games like that back in the day so the art style here especially um really really like brings back those those good feelings of like nostalgia for games on those consoles it's awesome yeah and just to kind of touch on this because of the time mechanic loop when that does actually come into play even the areas that you're in when you switch to a different time period the it the area won't completely change but it 
some actually will completely change, but some will change just enough to show the art style. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of things have deteriorated. Some things have become more monoliths of the past, just ancient relics and stuff like that. And I think that they do that very seamlessly and well to the point where like you can actually see that oh yeah this this is definitely what it would look like or sometimes it's crazy to see oh wow like this place changed so drastically just because of what events actually happened here yeah for sure and you get those like time switches most of the time it's like an instant like you you walk through a portal and the time switches and so like when you do that, you get that instant change between those two visual styles. And it's really, mm-hmm. really awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful game. Never gets old. Yeah. And the other thing that really stands out is by this point, you've heard a couple of songs. You probably agree already. At least I hope you do. The music <laughs> in this game is just incredible. It's a soundtrack by a chiptune musician named Rainbow Dragon Eyes. And I awesome I name. mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll never forget that name just because of how amazing this soundtrack is. It's, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of game music outside of games, but I don't listen to a lot of chiptune music, if that, that makes sense. Like I listen to like the Nier Automata soundtrack or Final Fantasy soundtracks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Chiptunes are... I don't know, kind of hard to listen to for mm-hmm. a long time if, or like, you know, outside of a game sometimes for me personally, but not the Messenger soundtrack because these songs are catchy. <laughs> they are fantastic. I, like, I've been just walking around the house the last couple of weeks just going do 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 like that. It's so good. It what just do you gets think? so stuck in your head. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's kind of crazy, honestly, how well they're able to channel, you know, the feeling of you being in the arcade and mm-hmm. the, well, you know, by that time I was born, arcades were declining, but I was still there. So the times that you're in the arcade and in all of these, you know, 16-bit games that you're playing in the arcade, like, it's that ch- chiptune music and, you know, it's good, it's not up to the quality that you would think like in today's standard as far as music but the messenger kind of fixes all those problems while at the same time being able to you know have you reminisce about oh yeah like this is exactly what i would think of chiptune music being in the arcade it does a really really great job at uh at i would say having a great soundtrack that really that really gets you in the mood of playing an arcade game. Now, this game, I wouldn't say is particularly an arcade game, but at the same time, the music the music and the way that they section off their levels with the art, I feel like it definitely can fall into it definitely falls into the trap of becoming an arcade game even though it has a linear linear-ish story. Yeah. That's a, it's kind of while you were talking about the arcade, I kind of got this like memory pop up of like you're playing your game and you're listening to the music for your game. But there's another arcade machine right next to the one you're playing and it's got sound effects going at the same time. And some of these mm-hmm. songs really like there's lots of sound effects popping in and out during uh, the songs. 
it, mm-hmm. like not to say they don't fit with the like the melody and stuff because of course they do but mm-hmm. that kind of brought up just a little hit of a memory for me and i think it kind of fits this soundtrack yeah and it's also kind of crazy how the game mechanics like the sword slashes and the sounds of you know you canceling out a projectile fits into the music i feel like the rhythm of whatever soundtrack you're listening to for the level that you're in uh, kind of highlights the sounds that the enemies and the projectiles and you slashing your sword all make. Sometimes it just feels like it's all in this really, really nice rhythm that just makes sense and makes the game even more fun. Yeah, for sure. I I also feel like... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I also feel like this game is one of the rare games that I would choose not to, for example, have a TV show going in the background or Uh have a podcast. Like, this is one of those games where I want to, like, put in my earphones, listen to the soundtrack and beat up some bad guys. Like, I don't want to I don't want to cancel out the sound and just watch something in the background instead. Like it. Yeah, it kind of has that effect on me, at least. Yeah, for sure. Like like I said, I played this game twice, so like I know what's going on and like sometimes when I'm just like playing through a game maybe for the second time uh getting ready for an episode of this show or like you know, sometimes I'll play games and like I'll get to a point where like I get it, but I want to keep playing it cuz it's fun to play, but yeah, I'm going to throw on a podcast and listen to something like that. Uh like I don't think I've just like played Rocket League with no <laughs> with no like voice chat or podcast at the same time uh in a long time. But yeah, you're right. I definitely like that's a absolute non-starter with this game. You got to mm-hmm. have that soundtrack going. Kind of like Shovel Knight. I I feel like Shovel Knight's going to be the comparison whereas Ninja Gaiden should be the comparison. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to keep drawing on Shovel Knight in this episode because <laughs> they're kind of accomplishing the same thing. Another game with a great soundtrack. Yes, I would definitely second you on the soundtrack. As far as the art, though, I would definitely say that The Messenger has Shovel Knight beat in that department. Mm. Um, even though both of them have, they both are going for that 8-bit aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I think The Messenger's, um, maybe they're just working with a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the music, a couple of cool things that we didn't mention yet. We talked about the time portals before, and when you step through a time portal, the visuals switch from 8 to 16-bit, but the music also switches. So there are two completely separate versions of this soundtrack. There's the 8-bit and then the 16-bit versions. Hearing that switch, like from eight to sixteen, and hearing all these extra instruments or like uh, melodies and stuff or different percussive sounds come in, it's like I, it's hard to describe how cool that is. And you, when you're going through the game, you don't get that immediately because it will switch you kind of permanently or semi-permanently. 
then when you get to the point where you can go through these portals and you're switching back and forth within the a few seconds of each other, it's very, very cool to hear these two soundtracks like on top of each other or next to each other. Yeah, and I feel like that sort of detail is something that you can easily miss unless like it's something you're really looking for because this game does really really well with their transitions in terms of the art style in terms of the music both Mm -hmm. both everything just everything encompassing it i think like the only time i've really noticed like for the first time that oh like this is a different change is that when you're going underwater and you're swimming like yeah the music will start to like muffle out and it sounds like you're it's you're hearing it underwater yeah I was just going to say that's actually the next thing in the notes is that I fucking love how they do that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just a sucker for any time a game does that. And the first time I heard that in the messenger, I was like, yes, they did yeah. it. <laughs> I feel like this game was one of the first that actually did that, too. And then after that, everyone started doing it because they were like, oh, this is so cool. And it makes sense. It's brilliant. Yeah. And you're like you said, it it does kind of sound like it like you're underwater listening to the music like you're at the Mm -hmm. swimming pool and someone has a speaker right above and it's just it's really good Mm -hmm. uh standout music tracks like my favorite i like this soundtrack so much that i have standout tracks that i can name (laughs) like from memory so i you're gonna hear some throughout the course of this episode um probably the ones that I are going to and that I'm going to name now but the first couple levels um autumn hills and the bamboo creek both have just incredible songs that like worm their way into your head and the shop music in this game we're going to talk about the shop later (laughs) but the music in the shop is great and like it's a pretty long song for like a shop you know you go into a shop you buy your shit and then you leave you're in there for like 15 seconds but in the messenger there's a lot of things happening where you're like in dialogue in the shop Mm -hmm. for a couple minutes and that song is just in the background banging it's so So catchy (laughs) that's it's funny you say that because like i can kind of remember all the other songs but that song i know the shopkeeper song like i could i could bang it out (laughs) with tom's right now Yep, we're uh, we're gonna put that in the episode for sure. So yeah, it's it's man, yeah, not enough good things to say about this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Let's uh kind of briefly touch on the story and like what you're doing in case someone's listening and you're like, why am I uh, doing my ninja stuff? So <laughs> the fair, story fair. in this game, um, you're you're given a scroll. There's like a an invasion from demons or something like that. And your village is awaiting the Western hero. And the Western hero is going to come bring a scroll, literally coming from the left side of the screen. And then you need to take that scroll up to the top of a mountain. And that is the story. (laughs) Until the spoiler section, at least. And this is... Very, very similar to God of War, where, you know, your mission is to go up a mountain. Easy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And this is a very simple story. And, like, I don't think the plot is super spoilable, but there are, like, there are moments in there that are very cool to experience for the first time. So Mm -hmm. I want to keep those for the spoiler section. This is not a story that's going to, like, change your life by any means. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's not like the, you know, it's not like some other games where we're holding, like, amazing, you know, 
stories for the spoiler section. But there are some cool moments and some cool subversions of what you're expecting from this game. So mm-hmm. we'll hold those. Any thoughts on the story, though, before we kind of move on? Yeah, there are definitely, like you said, they do a lot of twists that I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about later. But just as far as the story goes, I don't know. I felt it I felt it was kind of it it leaned itself to, oh, this is like an arcade game for me, just because I felt like the story department was missing, at least for the first half of the game where your mission is literally, oh, you're yeah, just take the scroll and go up to the mountain. And you're mm-hmm. not really doing anything other than doing that, talking to whoever you interact with, whether that just be bosses for a few seconds or or the shopkeeper, which is where you talk most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But aside from that, yeah, you, nothing special, I would say. Yeah. And it like to be clear, it doesn't have to be. I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy that this game doesn't have an in-your-face story. I think um, if this game paused for dialogue breaks all the time to do story stuff, I think it would mm-hmm. be subtractive. And so, like, I'm kind of saying, like, oh, not much to talk about. But to be clear, I think that's a good thing in this game. Yeah, don't get me wrong, though. The actual dialogue that they do have is not really story. Some It's very light on story, but more... It's more for, I would say, the laughs and for the actual humor. Like, yeah. this game does so much as far as humor goes. Um, but if you're actually looking for something that, you know, will, like you said, bring a tear to your eye or something like that, you're not going to get that here. I right. think this game definitely prioritizes gameplay over the story. But at the same time, it does have a nice overarching story that does get resolved by the end. And there mm-hmm. are some really, really nice twists along the way. So. It, it yeah. keeps you, your interest peaked enough to keep playing it, but you're really there for the gameplay and the music and the nostalgia of an arcade game. Right, yeah. And we've kind of been hinting at, you know, something that happens halfway through the game, and we already mentioned that it's a Metroidvania, which it's, you'll you'll realize it's, you know, it's not a Metroidvania at the beginning, but we will hold the reason why it changes until the spoiler section, because that is uh, kind of cool, I think. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that they focus on gameplay in this game. So let's move in and talk about gameplay. This is a 2D Ninja Gaiden-esque game. I've seen, you know, videos of Ninja Gaiden. Looks kind of like this. Um, mm-hmm. You're basically running, jumping, and attacking. However, they have a lot of cool things in this game that kind of put a big focus on platforming. But first, mm-hmm. talk about the combat. You have a basic attack you know, press the button, attack. You don't have combos. You just hammer that one attack over and over again. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the air, you can do a downward slash to uh, hover and it will give you, or sorry, to bounce. And you can also get a hovering upgrade pretty soon into the game. Mm-hmm. So this like bouncing on top of enemies, you can do that kind of like Hollow Knight uh, when you're hovering and it plays into the platforming a lot. And if you're good at the game, I think you could probably use this to make boss fights a lot easier. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I, I was attempting to, but not really <laughs> succeeding that much. Uh, one other thing about like regular combat, because it's it's very simple throughout the levels. The enemy variety is not great. I would say there's like maybe 10 different enemies in the whole game. 
and they just kind of like strategically place them on each screen. So you have your, you're doing a bit of platforming on each screen, but you also have a bit of combat, basically every screen. And sometimes the enemies they place will, they're there more for platforming purposes than they are mm-hmm. for actual combat. Yes. Yeah, I definitely second that. And I think the big feature of this game or the biggest mechanic of this game for the gameplay is uh, called Cloud's Cap where basically you have a double jump but you can't just use the double jump or well it's kind of an infinite jump but the way it works is that you have one jump available to you and then while you're in the air you're able to slash with your basic attack whether Mm -hmm. that be a projectile or an enemy and while you're still in the air if you do that successfully you gain a cloud step which means you can jump again so you can kind of rinse and repeat and chain those so that you can eventually really have infinite jump but all of a lot of the platforming especially in the later games depend on you hitting things while you're in the air so that you get that additional jump and a lot of the platforming relies on that to you know make these really cool really challenging platforming sections yeah by later parts of the game you'll get to lots of platforming sections where there is no ground like you'll have entire screens where you are in the air the entire time and if you miss your platforming thing, you fall down and die. But you are using that cloud step and these, um, the hovering down slash as well as your regular attack in the air to kind of give yourself those extra jumps and just chaining that until you get to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking about it more, I actually do feel like this is much more of a platforming game than an actual game because you did actually mention that you know, you just have your basic attack and that's kind of it. You do get upgrades in this game, uh, but they're very light. You don't get many of them and yeah. you get them pretty close to each other. All throughout this game, you're not just going to be continually getting new upgrades to make the gameplay new and invigorating. It's more of you're mastering the cloud step mechanic more and more so that they can give you harder and harder platforming challenges. And that's where the difficulty, I guess, comes from. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why like, I have a couple bullet points on combat and then it's a lot of bullet points on platforming. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. It's definitely more of a platforming game And kind of like talking about combat and platforming, I just want to mention that the controls are super, super tight and responsive in this game. I basically never felt like, you know, there's some delay between what I press and what the character does or anything like that. I thought it's very responsive and Mm -hmm. for a game with some boss fights that are really hard as well as some combat or platforming challenges that are also really hard that's really important to have good controls, good responsive controls. And this game does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say for me, I definitely, there were a couple of bosses where I definitely had to try like 10 different times, but I would say they were pretty far and few in between. I'm sure we'll talk about the bosses in detail later, but probably I was actually a little bit disappointed as far as a lot of the bosses go. Mm -hmm. Um, But and when the when we start talking about the DLC, I feel like they should have done a lot of things that they did in the DLC in the base game. We'll get to that. But I felt like because I was primarily there for the platforming of this game, which they I do think nailed. But mm-hmm. 
I do think they could have done a lot of better things where it comes to gameplay. For example, in this game, you do have a skill tree that you can spend your time shards, which are the currency of this game, in. Um, So you're able to spend it on different upgrades, but like we said before, you can never get... uh, You don't get anything like a charge attack. It's just the basic attack. So I felt like that was a big 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 mess step not being able to uh have a better skill tree that opened up the game a little further in terms of combat right yeah the off the top of my head i'm thinking of like you get i think you get two real combat upgrades from the skill tree one of them is uh shuriken mm-hmm. and you can throw those as like a ranged attack but they're super you can't just like throw a bunch of them i think you're yeah, limited you have a to limit like four maybe four yeah max yeah right and then you get another upgrade where it's like if you haven't attacked for five seconds your next attack does triple damage or something like mm-hmm. that that really i don't know how much that actually helped me <laughs> during the game yeah. but you, you will <laughs> notice like i think actually i think you might have to stand still for a couple seconds and then you'll you know you're you're focusing or something like that you will notice that that helps sometimes, but it's not. It's definitely not the same as doing an active like charge attack or heavy attack or something like that. Right. And what's funny is that the downward slash that you're talking about, that's an upgrade too. Yeah. So like you have to unlock that with time shards in order to even have it. It's not just something he learns throughout the game as one of his given upgrades, which mm-hmm. I also thought was an interesting choice because I felt like that was probably one of the most useful uh, upgrades but definitely useful but you're getting those um time shards the currency and you don't have anything else to spend them on so yes. i don't i don't really think it's possible for someone to go through this game and not max out the skill tree which i i think is good i don't yeah. i don't like games where i have to make like super important decisions about what to do on the skill tree i talked about that in the death's gambit episode which was another metroidvania that game gives you four skill trees and you have enough skill points to go through one and a half of the skill trees. So, okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the bosses for a second. You mentioned, you thought that you were wanting a little bit more from them. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few bosses in this game. So like, it's kind of weird. You're focusing on platforming throughout the levels and then each one at the end has a boss and, rather than like the level teaches you something and then the boss tests you on it these are just like bosses where you need to learn their patterns basically and i i think that these bosses have actual patterns like this attack then this attack then this attack depending on your proximity and stuff like that but i'm thinking of one boss in the dlc in particular where i died you know 30 times and by the I end I talking about. <laughs> yeah by the end I knew exactly the order of attacks that were coming so I think that they're very pattern based and you can learn them and I only think a couple of them are have unfair things um specifically mm-hmm. like the mortal sin of having 2D boss fights with bottomless pits that you just die if you get knocked into <laughs> yes <laughs> I hate I hate that so much and there's a couple of those in this game but I think other than that, I think the boss fights are not that difficult and pretty fun. Even the difficult ones mm-hmm. are pretty fun to learn. They have pretty diverse attacks. Um, 
yeah i enjoyed it yeah i w- it's funny that you mentioned that because i feel like for a lot of the bosses i do feel like they were fair but i don't for me i didn't feel like they were pattern based i feel like they were more dodge dodge all of these different things we have at you uh whether mm-hmm. it be throwing projectiles or like this is where they're gonna go um i feel like it was more of more platforming actually some of them actually have platforms but a lot of them don't and you have to figure out the well the dodge pattern yeah of where exactly to go and it was just more hack and slash and it was more of a platforming challenge for each of the bosses than it felt like an actual boss fight to me yeah, it's it's definitely not like a, you know, a Dark Souls boss, for example, where you dodge one attack and then you can hit them because you successfully dodged the attack. In the Messenger, it's more like you dodge this sequence of attacks and then mm. the boss will give you a window where you can go attack. And that's yeah. That's your attack window unless you're really really good at the game. Like mm-hmm. I bet I bet speedrunners can go through these bosses in, you know, 15 seconds. Oh, but... for sure. <laughs> For the rest of us, for the rest of us normal people, uh, you kind of have to like, you know, dodge these four or five attacks, then the boss will like get tired or something. You can go over and hit them or something mm-hmm. like that. I feel like they were good, though, in the differentiation of the bosses, yeah. because a lot of them, some of them were like that, but not all of them. It wasn't just dodge, dodge, dodge. Ugh, they're exhausted. Then you get to attack. A lot of them was you dodge this, then attack then dodge 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 it was more of um it was more it was more varied it was all of the bosses felt unique in that it wasn't just you doing (laughs) the same things over and over and over again yeah and it's it's not just guy with a sword number one guy with a sword number two bigger guy with a sword number (laughs) three it's not like that Mm mm-hmm One other cool thing about the bosses that I want to mention, and this kind of differentiates the messenger from the games that clearly influenced it. They, number one, I think that the bosses are good, which a lot of, I think, old games, old action games have horrible boss fights, I think. I don't, I don't think very many games, actually, I don't think very many games in general have great (laughs) boss fights. Uh, but I think these are fine. But one thing that this game does do that really differentiates it is there's a checkpoint right before every single boss. So even the one, like I talked about, there's a boss that I had to fight 30 times. I don't have to go through the whole level every single time. There's a checkpoint literally on the screen before it. And that Mm -hmm. helps you when you're going through the level and you see that, you know, that checkpoint it's it's a checkpoint and then with the shop and then on either mm-hmm. side there's um there's health a health and, and uh points. yep exactly which is so like you, your mana yeah kind of <laughs> so you use that you you refill and when you see that you're like oh boss fight next cool mm-hmm. you can go into the shop you can do everything you need to get ready and then if you die which you you probably will a few times when you're learning each boss you're right back at the checkpoint there's no bullshit i love that we talked about Dark Souls earlier. I hate boss runs. I don't think that they're fun. <laughs> yeah. And especially in this game where you're going through platforming challenges, I I think this game would be like, it would be way worse if you had to go through those platforming challenges each time to mm-hmm. go re-fight the boss. 
Yes, I agree. They even actually implement that same idea of not forcing you to go through the entire level just in order to get you to this one spot by making that checkpoint system active for the challenge tokens that you can get. So in this game, you're able to do um, challenge platforming, which is like you're trying to get this one green special coin at the end of a really, really difficult platforming section. But if you fail and fall off the edge or fall into a bottomless pit, it's okay because it'll just basically teleport you to the checkpoint that's right in front of that challenging token, Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like that whole process of not punishing you for, you know dying with the boss or trying to go for that token i feel like that also lends itself to the arcading nature of this game and being able to pick it up put it down whenever you want and not get frustrated of oh i have to try this entire thing over again (laughs) yeah like with dark souls or something like that (laughs) yep exactly i thought the checkpoints were really pretty generous and uh pretty Mm -hmm. good there's you know in each level there's probably four or five checkpoints in it it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned those kind of collectible optional uh, power seals is what they're called. These big green yes. coins. There are These are optional, totally optional platforming challenges. Um, so I think some of the platforming challenges are really fun. I think some of them are too difficult for me to find them to be fun. <laughs> there are 45 total. And if you collect all of them, you get to open up the treasure chest in the shop for a big upgrade. I read what it is. It sounds very cool. Oh, I never did. I should have looked. I'll look at it like now, yeah. probably. <laughs> it's uh, it's like an upgraded version of a shuriken. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I was going to ask, how many of those power seals did you go collect? I went to collect every single one that I came into contact with that I actually found because I really, really love platforming just in general. So mm-hmm. whenever it gave me a challenge to do it, I always did it no matter how many times it took me. Most of the time it didn't take me that many tries actually. I felt like Celeste, which is another platform heavy game, uh, they have tapes that are very similar where it's an optional challenge to get these things and i felt like celeste was much 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 more difficult to the point where Mm -hmm. i always had to be like oh i'm not trying this but the messenger (laughs) i felt like they were easy enough when i was able to find them that i would always be like okay i can try again especially since the checkpoint is right here but the problem is finding these uh finding the optional challenges because a lot of times like they're hidden And you have to figure out exactly, oh, like this actual thing that actually looks like a pit. It's not actually a pit. It's just the entrance to a power seal. And that's just something like you have to figure out. So like they specifically hide those sections. Some of them they do better than others in hiding them. But you have to like really, really be on the lookout for the secret entrances on the side of the level so that you can even try to attempt them. Right. And one of your skill tree upgrades later in the game will put all of them on your map. But mm-hmm. it's it's much later in the game, though. So it's kind yeah. of like in that time where you're like, okay, I think I'm near the end. I'm going to go clean up these power seals. Uh, it'll mm-hmm. put them all on your map so you get an idea where they are. But uh, I think I got maybe 30 or so my first playthrough because I was really trying. And then there, there were 15, I guess, that I 
tried a couple times or maybe a few that I know I took one look at the room and I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. That looks <laughs> that looks insane. Because unlike Celeste, like Celeste is really tough, but if you die, you restart instantly in that same room. Yes. And in the messenger, you don't. You have to go back to the room. The checkpoints are never like, you know, 15 minutes away, but you do have to go back uh, through mm. and after dying three or four times on one challenge, I was usually like, okay, I, I get it. I've, I've had enough of this one. That's fair. I've, I always felt like they were pretty close. I felt like they were almost always right next to the entrance for the checkpoints, but some of them definitely weren't. But I never felt like, oh, once I actually reached your room, I never felt like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I would just keep trying because it was fun. So yeah. if you're into platforming challenges, this is probably the game for you. But yeah. as far as my number, I feel like, I probably did around 30 because when I did get the actual thing that highlighted all of them, I, I did go and get the ones that were, I was already going to that area specifically for plot reasons, but mm -hmm. I never went out of my way. If I wasn't going there, I wasn't going to backtrack and go all the way over there just to be a completionist, just because I don't play games usually to platform them or get 100%. So Same. if it was... The way that I was going, I was going to definitely get it. Yep. Yep. Same. And like my second playthrough of the game, I think I got like 15 of these, like mm -hmm. literally the ones where I was like exploring, trying to find the, you know, the critical path, the main yeah. path. And I was like, oh, this is a challenge room. Okay. I'll mm -hmm. give it a shot. And if I died, I just didn't go back that way most of the time. Some of them are really fun though. And yeah. that's because the platforming in this game is super fun. And we've kind of, every other section we've talked about, we've touched, touched on platforming. So let's kind of focus on platforming now. We mentioned the, the wingsuit. Uh, sorry, we'll start with cloud stepping. We mentioned cloud stepping before. And so once again, cloud stepping is your double jump. But in order to get the double jump, you have to hit something in the air. And you can do this any number of ways by just doing the regular sword slash and then hitting jump again. You can do this by using the grappling hook. The grappling hook will give you a cloud step. Um, and so later in the game, I, I didn't really hit things with the sword anymore to get cloud steps. I was all about the grappling hook. Hmm. Um, and you can hit anything in the air. You can hit an enemy. You can hit a lantern. Like there's these Castlevania lanterns all over the place. Um, there are special things they put in the level just for you to uh, like grapple hook onto to get a cloud step. Mm -hmm. um, and so like this, this is what the platforming in the game is built around is like chaining together these double jumps and you always have to hit something or grapple hook onto something in order to regain that double jump. And like we said earlier, the big platforming challenges are almost all based on this and even some of the boss fights are built mm -hmm. around this so i think it's really good um it's i think it's better more fun than the shovel knight like bouncing platforming challenges and this game is uh more forgiving than a lot of the harder Hollow Knight platforming challenges, I think, because if you fail, you'll usually just fall down to the ground and go mm -hmm. back up and try again. So, yeah, fun, uh, fun platforming. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Shovel Knight because 
this in Shovel Knight, I don't I definitely finished the first base game of Shovel yeah. Knight. Um and I can't even remember the me- the basic mechanics of that they use for this game. But even as I was going up to do a replay of this game after having not played it for like two three years, mm-hmm. I remembered that this was the exact mechanic for it because it was fun, because it was so memorable, memorable, and because the platforming it's the basis of the platforming, and they did a really really great job with it. So I I always was looking forward to you know mastering this type of platforming again because i remembered how fun it was yeah and yeah i just feel like they nailed it with with even though you get very limited upgrades that assist with that platforming like you mentioned the grapple hook and the wingsuit as well yeah um i feel like the ways that they implemented it did definitely make the platforming better i just wish we had gotten some more other interesting upgrades to assist in making the platforming more varied instead of after a certain point i did feel like okay just going through the motions it's just the same thing for another five hours basically yeah you do like max out your platforming um like your verbs that you can do like a third of the way into the game Basically, when you get the grapple hook, you have everything, and then there's like 10 more hours of game after that. So, yeah, if they did give you something else to kind of like give you that, like uh, like one more thing, and then when you go through those old levels again, you're just absolutely dominating it with this new thing. But mm-hmm. they all of the screens are like really precisely like platforming. They're designed with platforming in mind. So like the only way to progress through some of the screens is to grapple hook your way across on these like strategically placed hooks or uh, with the walls or, you know, moving platforms or something like that. So, yeah, but anyway, it's, it's, it's fun. And so even if you are going through those levels with kind of the same thing you've had for the last five hours and, or going through this one screen for the 25th time as you're backtracking (laughs) or dying repeatedly, Mm -hmm. um, it's All still of the fun. Above. Yeah. <laughs> it's still fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. And uh one more thing about the grapple hook and this is why I use the grapple hook instead of uh slashing with the sword to get my, you know, my platforming going is uh you can grapple hook onto anything that gives you a cloud step and you can grapple hook onto an enemy or like a like a hookshot ring that they have placed around or a lantern or anything like that. But the difference is you get like a forward momentum boost when you grapple hook. And so especially I'm thinking of one thing that happens later in the game that we'll talk about in the spoiler section. You basically, that taught me to just grapple hook all the time. If you want to get through the levels quickly, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's a good, mm-hmm. um, good and like there are very few surfaces that you can't grapple hook onto like walls and stuff most of them you can if you're having a hard time with a a challenge just grapple hook onto that wall and you can uh you can easily just like take a breath take a break kind of reassess what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah yeah fun platforming um i didn't really when i first played this i don't think i really expected this to be as fun or as focused on platforming as it is but it is it's good 
Yeah, I same. I was definitely expecting more of a Ninja Gaiden action-oriented game than a platforming game, but it yeah. was a welcome delight because I do like those games a lot. Yeah, for sure. mentioned this earlier and you just heard some music that told you or that showed you but this game switches between 8 and 16 bit and we already talked about the music switching and the visuals switching but let's talk kind of how about how they use this for gameplay stuff like this becomes a puzzle mechanic basically where you need to switch between 8 and 16 bit and like Alfredo mentioned before kind of recontextualizes some of the levels like some uh, entrances to rooms will be blocked in a certain eras and other platforming challenges will open up and entire sections of levels will be off limits in certain uh, 8 or 16 bit eras and so you have to go through and use these portals or these special uh, like time fireflies to Mm. kind of open up the path that you want to go to and sometimes it gets kind of complex I want to know. I don't know. I yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I want to know how you feel about this kind of puzzle mechanic here. Yeah, without saying too much on it, because dipping into the spoiler territory, so I'll keep a light. But this, when they did start doing that, um, it soured my experience on it because I feel mm-hmm. like this game started suffering from okay, we're gonna be this action platformer type game to instead being focused on this platforming puzzle game because once you get to that point i don't know about you dave but let me know because i felt like once we reached that point the the combat in the levels was kind of pointless it was it you could at that point you could easily just run through the level take hits and be completely fine and just ignore all the enemies only use them you know to get an extra an extra double jump or whatnot to complete the actual platforming challenge which is what the game turned into mm-hmm. but like you said the the introduction of these i guess time fireflies basically soured it because it started making the game more frustrating to me for me it wasn't so much that you know i had to figure out the correct rune route to go in order to access these areas whether they be you traveling forward or backward in time it was more that in a lot of the areas that i had to go to if i accidentally went through the wrong way and didn't access the time period the way that they wanted me to it would completely close off a path that i needed to and i was also completely unable to get back to where i needed to easily in order to 
do the puzzle correctly. So then I had to backtrack by going, spending another 15 minutes going like through all of the level A, B, and C in order to get back to level D where I needed to be. And mm-hmm. it, I, I just thought it was a very, very wrong choice when it came to how they implemented the puzzles but i can't talk about why but i will later (laughs) it it did get frustrating sometimes like i i know what you mean if you get if you go through the gates like the time gates in the wrong order you'll Mm -hmm. you won't be able to progress and like i i think i do remember needing to like loop back around through the level and come back I did that so many times. <laughs> like, Most... just because, oh, I missed, like, a grapple hook thing, and then I ended up falling off, and you can't get yeah. back up because the this wall is unscalable. So now yeah. you got to go all the way around. Yeah. I think a lot of the times it was pretty intuitive to me. Like, I see a time gate in this room, and if I walk through the time gate then this new entrance opens up. So I'm like, okay, go through the time gate, go through that new entrance. And most of the time I thought it was pretty intuitive for like the order to go through them to get through where I needed to go. But there definitely were times where I was like, oh, I I fucked up. I have to loop back through and that that sucks. But Mm -hmm. I think the time switching is much better for the music and visuals than it is as an actual puzzle mechanic it didn't feel like solving really satisfying puzzles it just Mm -hmm. felt like oh i walked in this room there's a you know the entrance is blocked and there's a time gate i guess i'll go through the time gate you know Mm -hmm. yeah and it could have easily solved if they gave that mechanic more in the player's hands if you know what i mean it is kind of out of control that mechanic which becomes the basis of the entirety of the second half of the game it's more or less out of the player's control the player can choose how exactly to do it but they can't choose when to do it and i Mm -hmm. think that's the problem yeah i think maybe for an indie studio like this giving you the time giving you the ability to switch times like any time you want might mm-hmm. be a little bit too much for them to plan around that's but fair. yeah it's a uh, it's cool like i said i love the aesthetics of it uh there's one boss fight later in the game that actually uses this during the boss fight and it's very very cool but you know as a puzzle mechanic it's fine at best in my opinion mm-hmm yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it before that was implemented, but they did do some pretty cool stuff with it toward the like, the more ending part of the game, which I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, after I felt like it was less open and more linear, the game goes from linear game to open-ish world to linear toward the end again. And mm-hmm. I feel like the game is best when it is in its linear form. Yeah, definitely agree. Let's talk about kind of the, uh, let's clean up some extra topics before we finish up the non-spoiler section. So this game we talked about before, this game is a pretty funny game, the way Mm -hmm. that it's written. Uh, There's a lot of jokes, a lot of meta jokes, like both the fact that you're playing a game that you've watched a trailer for, like there's jokes about that. And there are lots of like, there are lots of jokes that like kind of poke fun at the tropes of the story, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, I don't know why you expected this to happen. You know, jokes yeah. <laughs> like that. Most of the jokes come from the shopkeeper, 
mm-hmm. who is by far the character you're going to talk to the most. So just before we get into the shopkeeper, any uh, any thoughts about kind of the writing style or the jokes that they're making, the humor? Yeah, I I definitely felt like this is the type of humor in this game that was right up my alley. It is self-aware, it's funny, it's poking fun at things like you said, and it just, I feel like it really nails that type of humor where it's not going overboard. It's like, it's just poking and prodding at the player and making fun of them and just the situation in general, just the right amount. And it it really never gets old, even though this is like a 10 hour game. To me, the humor never got old. The jokes that they tell always, always hit their mark. Yeah, there was most of the jokes uh, made me laugh or made me smile. There's a couple where it it kind of feels like, you know, early internet humor that we've all moved <laughs> on past. Uh, there's a couple like, you know, saying, oh, let's do the thing, you know, that yes, yeah. I was, was kind of like, ah, all right, fine. <laughs> I felt but, like that was more like, okay, that's like who that character is. Yeah. Where it it's could not be. like funny or not like a joke, but like, it's just like, that's that anime character, the one anime character trope. Like, I feel like they were doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, even if I don't like that particular joke, it's five seconds long and then it's over after that. Um, I enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I enjoy the, uh, the basic style where they're, they're kind of, it's a very self-aware game. They're poking fun at like the story itself. They're poking fun at you, the main character. They're poking fun at, you know, playing games in general and having expectations and stuff like that. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty good. One example. I'll go, for go it. ahead. I was going to say they do that a lot, especially in the form of the shopkeepers stories mm-hmm. where yeah. they'll tell you something that you're used to hearing and you're like, oh, yeah, this is just this story. And then it just turns into something else that is completely, <laughs> completely insane, for lack of a better term, or it flips it on its head to where it's just, wow, th- that's the story that you told. And not only that, but the shopkeeper loves to tell the lessons that you are either supposed to learn or that they were trying to teach you from the story, or it will just be a pointless story. They do a lot of a lot of um, subverting, like you said expectations yeah. and those the stories were my favorite part of the game actually i always ask the shopkeeper oh tell me a new story just to hear right. what nonsense they had to say yeah so when you go into the shop you can like you know buy your skill tree upgrades but you can also talk to the shopkeeper and you can ask for like lore information about bosses uh you can ask for like information about what this level is and kind of like this level's history in two sentences and then you can also ask the shopkeeper to tell you a story, like Alfredo said. And most of the stories are, they're either, yeah, like you said, stories that you've heard before, but they're being told in a, you know, in-universe way, I guess, or they're complete nonsense. Or, uh, and then like your player character will a- will actually say like, okay, that's, all right, that's the story you tell? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And the shopkeeper's like, what? What do you want? You asked for a story, you got a story. You know, it's kind of that type of humor. And it works most of the time, I think. One thing I do have to mention if we're talking about this game and talking about the writing is a little bit of controversy that they ran into. The 
A couple things. So first of all, in the shop, there's a cabinet. And if you go over and interact with the cabinet, the shopkeeper will just say, don't touch the cabinet. And if you keep interacting with it, he'll get super like mad. It's actually pretty funny how mad he gets. And I think the developers know that. Um, but there are, I think, yeah, one of the, they call them cabinet rants. And if you interact with the cabinet enough times in a row, the shopkeeper will basically yell at you for like, a long time it's like a lot of dialogue and it's it's that kind you of you can't skip you can't skip it yeah you can't i because i did it <laughs> right yeah i i think i did it my first time and um and i think that is very funny like the idea that like you kept messing with the shopkeeper so he gives you like you know a couple minutes of unskippable dialogue that's mm-hmm. i think that's funny <laughs> There is an issue that some people have with one of the cabinet rants, which is basically a Jordan Peterson uh, quote, like a long Jordan Peterson essay. Now, if I'm saying this to you, listeners, and you think Jordan Peterson gross, I'm just letting you know it's in there. Uh, I personally don't know much about Jordan Peterson. I learned who he was like earlier this year, you know, and I still don't have a great idea for like, I know a couple reasons why he's a controversial person, but I, I really don't pay attention. I, I don't really care about him at all. But I know a lot of people are like either very excited or very put off by the idea that his ideology is in this game in some format. So, yeah, um, I know that he has some controversial views on transgender stuff, which I completely am against him on. So... If that's the way he feels, those views are not like in that cabinet rant, but it's this big thing and they call him Jordan the Wise. And yeah, I don't, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? No, I didn't even catch that reference, honestly, when I was going through it. Um, I did have, did they end up patching anything like that out? So the cabinet rant is still in the game. Okay. But it's, it's one of like Jordan Peterson's like self help things that he's kind of famous for and like you know i'm just saying like some people have a big problem with jordan peterson i don't agree with him but i also don't really think about him ever like i said i don't i I barely even knew who he was before doing research Mm -hmm. for this podcast um the thing that they did patch out though is there was an actual transgender joke in the game where you're talking to the shopkeeper and you say something like, Hey, I didn't expect that. And the shopkeeper says like, don't assume my dialogue or something like that. And it's coded as a very, Mm. like, don't assume my gender joke, which is shitty. And the developers to their credit, they were called out on it. They apologized. They did not try to justify it. Their actual quote was basically saying like, our justification for this is not as important as, the way it made some people feel so we're cutting Mm -hmm. this out of the game they did that i give them credit for that while also just like the combo that that was in the game and Mm -hmm. the fact (laughs) that there's jordan peterson in the game is kind of like a little little tough but you know it's a relatively small part of the game uh it has really nothing to do with anything and it's the jordan peterson part is completely optional you can Mm-hmm. If you don't fuck with the cabinet 600 times, you'll never see it. But it is there. Just uh, 
throwing that out there for anyone who's listening and, you know, would be put off by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely props to them for, you know, not trying to justify something like that and just kind of owning up to it. But yeah, I definitely am not up to date with the controversy around yeah. the messenger and certainly not um, Jordan Peterson. But it definitely sounds like something I'm going to look a little bit into and just to figure out what the controversy was like at this time. Yeah, I definitely it, it flew over my head when I was reading the cabinet rant. Yeah, I um I think, yeah, I didn't recognize it when I was reading it the first time I played. And like I said, I don't I don't agree with uh, the the views of Jordan Peterson that I've seen, but it's a small part of the game. The thing that was actually offensive, they patched out immediately, apologized, mm-hmm. did not try to defend it at all. Um, so yeah, props to them for that while also acknowledging the fact that it was in the game in the first mm-hmm. place. So anyway, uh, the shopkeeper other than that, I think is a very funny character and, um, it's the character you're going to be talking to most of the game. And the shopkeeper is the one that provides kind of the, like you have a serious thing to do, but this is not a serious game, uh, kind of Mm -hmm. tone that this game has. Yes. I definitely second that on the shopkeeper for sure. Another part that I liked about the dialogue that I didn't expect was in the game was with a lot of the bosses, uh, without saying too much about it. A lot of the bosses you do have, opening dialogue sometimes you have ending dialogue with with them but a lot Mm -hmm. of times you talk with them and that same humor that is throughout the game is with your conversations with them yeah it kind of has a lot of them have this doofenshmirtz from phineas and ferb kind of energy to them where they're like they're the villain and they're doing something evil but at the same time like they're (laughs) they're either incompetent at doing so or like they're not really that bad or something like that where you're Mm -hmm. able to say oh wow this is actually a really funny character yeah totally agree the bosses all have well most of them have personalities beyond just that little boss fight yeah and i can remember a couple of them uh in particular that actually turn into like characters or like you have some dialogue after the boss fight that gives you uh, just a little bit into their Mm -hmm. character and it shows you that like they're your boss fight but they're not you know these supremely evil beings some of them are some of them aren't some of them Mm -hmm. are just like you know just two dudes trying to work out and have a good time you know and you're just (laughs) you just happen to yeah you just happen to be in their way at the time So, um, last thing to talk about before we get into kind of final thoughts and the spoiler wall is the DLC. The DLC is called Picnic Panic and it is free. So if you're going to play the messenger, you pick up the DLC. There's no reason not to. And another reason to pick up the DLC is that I think it's very, very good. I think it's better Mm -hmm. than most of the second half of the game. Yes, I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. So you shouldn't play it earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. And actually, I don't think it's unlocked until you beat the kind of like the ending of the first half. 
Yeah, because they do kind of continue the story of it very loosely. Like yeah. uh, a, a villain that's from the first half does appear in this DLC. So right. I believe like it's unlocked after a certain point. But just speaking on the DLC briefly, like you're saying, I feel like a lot of ideas that I was first yearning for in the first half of the game or in the base game, they actually did start exploring and start giving to you in the free DLC. So when I was playing this DLC, which is about a two hour experience, I was like, well, why didn't oh, this is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. I wonder yeah. why they didn't put this in the base game more, because like things like this, like the very boss fights uh, in particular, I felt like this game, the base game could have benefited heavily from it. Right. Yeah. You know what? We were saving it for the spoiler section, but we've already talked about it several times at this point the second half of this game is kind of like an open metroidvania type thing and you know i would want to know that going into this game and it's not the Mm -hmm. kind of it's not a great twist in my opinion Uh, i don't think the metroidvania section of this game is very good as a metroidvania i wish it was just a longer linear game and the dlc Mm -hmm. is these linear levels with boss fights at the end of them um it's it's what i wish the second half of the main game would be Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and they do mix up the gameplay a little bit in the dlc you have like a water skiing mini game uh to play the final boss of the dlc which i'll save for the spoiler section is a, Mm -hmm. a mix up it's a lot of fun it's yeah it's just very good you'll and like that sense of humor continues you'll see like one of the bad guys he's like hiding in the bushes in the background as you're going through the levels <laughs> like <a> flower <laughs> yeah yeah it's good it's a it's a very good dlc and it's free so it's not like even you know convincing you to buy something else like if you like this game mm-hmm. go download that dlc because you're gonna like the dlc yeah for sure yeah even more than the the second half of the game for some of us yeah <laughs> yeah for sure So we're going to take a little break and come back and do our final thoughts in summary, housekeeping, and stuff like that before the spoiler wall. And we're going to begin with our final thoughts. Like in summary, do we recommend this game uh, without spoilers? Guest always goes first. So Alfredo, how do you feel about The Messenger? This is a interesting game to say if I recommend or not, just because of the Metrovania piece. So if you like Metroidvanias, I would say yes. How for sure definitely play this game if you are more on the action platformers and you're a little bit not so sure about the metrovanias i would say try out this game this game isn't a full price game i believe you can get it on sale for like 
five to ten dollars and i think full price is either 15 or 20 mm-hmm. i do think it is it, it is priced well and especially for the 10 hours of gameplay that you do get i do think it is a good game that is worth it if you like the ninja gaiden type games uh if you're looking for something with a little bit of a story and if you particularly like platforming because this is primarily a platforming game so if any of that mm-hmm. sounds good to you definitely pick it up but definitely be a little bit worry about the metroidvania uh sections yep yep i think that this game really excels in that like new retro genre of making a game that evokes the games you played as a kid or evokes those retro games without being uh frustrating in a lot of the ways that those old games are i think the i think this game's really generous like we said with the checkpoints and stuff like that and with how tight the controls are and how the boss fights go i think it's pretty fair which is not something i say about a lot of older games so Mm -hmm. if you're into that if you liked shovel knight um this is another game like that that i think is easy like easy to recommend for the first half and the dlc the second half it's going to be your mileage is going to vary on how much you like uh the backtracking and stuff like that but they had an they had an interesting idea for it. It just didn't hit super super well. But like I said, the first half of the game is great. The DLC is great. The music and visuals are incredible. If you like the kind of Ninja Gaiden style games, I don't think you can go wrong playing this because like Alfredo said, it's not an expensive game. It's probably on Game Pass or at least was mm. on Game Pass at some point yeah. in the past. <laughs> um so, yeah, I, I recommend this if you're into this, like, style of 2D action platformer, for sure. So, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping before going into the spoiler wall. So, first things first, Alfredo, I mentioned your podcast, The Dukes of Gaming. You want to tell the listeners what that show is all about? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, yeah, so I am a part of a uh, another podcast called The Dukes of Gaming, and we're basically a weekly video game podcast where we give you a summary of all the news that has happened for the week, as well as discuss any sort of first impressions or reviews for the newest games that are coming out. Sometimes we do retro games. Uh, yeah, and then normally we also pick a fun video game topic, such as what's your favorite uh, favorite top two or top three jrpgs so something Mm -hmm. like that so if you're into video games and video game news and want to keep up to date without having to keep track of your gaming sites every single day because there's always something new happening feel free to uh look us up available anywhere really called pod uh dukes of gaming podcast yeah uh any social media accounts for that podcast you want to share or is it just dukes of gaming everywhere it's pretty much Dukes of Gaming everywhere. On Twitter, we're Podcast Dukes, but everywhere else, we're Dukes of Gaming. Okay, cool. And I'll put links to those in the episode description for everybody. Um, I was going to say, there are a lot of podcasts that do that, like, you know, news of the week type thing, but I really do enjoy the chemistry on your show and, like, the different voices that we have coming in. Um, I think you guys are really good. I've enjoyed listening the past few weeks since uh, since we talked about doing this episode. 
Thanks. Yeah, that's another thing I probably should actually highlight <laughs> because we're the Dukes of Gaming. Uh, we basically came up with this idea of being, uh, since we're all very different, we actually all met on the internet and became yeah. good friends uh, after discussing our love of video games. But the thing is, a lot of us had very, very different uh, passions when it comes to video games. So I love JRPGs, platforming action, other people like Xbox games or FPSs in general. So there's a lot of different opinions there. And we have kind of different expert matters on on everything, whether it be retro gaming, whether it be AAA action platformers, whether it be Dark Souls. Yep. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so if you're looking for something with not just the same exact opinions or people who play the exact same games, definitely give us a watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been enjoying it. Definitely recommend anyone listening to this show, go check them out, the Dukes of Gaming. And any other like personal social media or anything else you want to share? Ooh, I am trying to get my social my personal social media up right now, actually. So okay. Right on. I'll let you know once I actually have it. Right now I actually only have a Facebook that I never use, but sure. one day I'll get hip and get like an Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right on. So yeah, again, definitely recommend people listening. Check out the Dukes of Gaming podcast. I am enjoying the discussions each week. And uh, I enjoy the kind of diversity in the topics that come up each week. It's not it's not like, uh, hey, this, you know, we're recording this in November. It's not like we're going to do an entire episode about the GTA games. It's like we're going to talk about that and then we'll talk about another topic and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I'm enjoying it. Thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. Cool. Everyone who's going to tap out now because of the spoilers, thank you for listening. And if you would like to support Tales from the Backlog, the best thing to do is to subscribe and kind of tell people about it. Yeah, word of mouth is good. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other podcast apps that allow you to do that and spread the good word. We're also on Good Pods, which is a kind of podcast social media combo app. Um, I'm enjoying that, talking with other podcasters on that uh, social media platform. That's Good Pods. You can find Tales from the Backlog. You can find Tales from the Backlog on Twitter at TFTBLPod. Tales from the Backlog was too long for Twitter. Um, and on Facebook and Instagram at Tales from the Backlog, though I am much, much, much more active on Instagram because Facebook is a hellscape Instagram's owned by Facebook, but the app is much better to use, I think. <laughs> um, I also do a podcast called A Top 3 Podcast, where I pick a topic with three of my best friends from high school. We discuss our top threes in that topic. So this episode's coming out in the future. I'm not sure exactly what our topic will be at that time, but uh, we've recently uploaded episodes about our top three stand-up comedians our top three scary movies for Halloween. Uh, and we are going to be doing for Christmas, our top three Christmas gifts that we ever received, which you'll hear that will be long in the past by the time you hear this episode. So if that sounds good to you, if you want to hear more of me, go check out a top three podcast. And that's on all other platforms uh, for podcasts. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it is spoiler time for the messenger.
All right, we're back. It's time for spoilers for The Messenger. And so we talked about it before the spoiler wall, but this game opens up into a, I'm going to put this in air quotes, a Metroidvania game. (laughs) Because you are backtracking through the levels in the second half. You're on this quest to collect these music notes. And Mm. you have to go through the old levels and uh, find these music notes. Sometimes you have to do kind of like find the item challenges that will unlock, you know, areas to get these music notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I think this. If you look at this as a Metroidvania, I think this is pretty bad. As a Metroidvania, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're playing the Messenger as like I love Metroidvanias, Hollow Knight's one of my favorite games. I want more Metroidvania. You're going to be very disappointed by this. Mm-hmm. But the game is still fun to play. Like going through, it's still fun to platform and move around and stuff. And the music is still bopping. It's fine. But as a Metroidvania, I think it's pretty bad. You get this prophecy to that will help you find the music notes, but the hints are super cryptic they're not easy to follow the only thing that helps is they do color coding on like important information that corresponds to the color scheme of the level yeah i didn't know (laughs) yeah it does that would have helped (laughs) well i'm saying like they do that but it's still i still had to look for a guide for maybe if there's nine music notes, I had to look for mm-hmm. seven music notes. I had to look for a guide for at least four of them. Wait, you didn't know about the thing that you could do to just find them easily? What do you mean? So, so it's exactly what you're saying. So I had a big problem with this as well, because before this, my first Metroidvania was Hollow Knight. And that was really my only perspective for what metroidvanias could be because i actually have never played a metroid game so after i played hollow knight i felt like i was spoiled big time because oh i was like oh you get these teleport systems you get easily you know easy hints for where you actually need to go like every i felt like everything in hollow knight was great for accessibility in terms of telling guiding you like yeah, giving guiding you a you. hand to hold for sure this game does not do that no nope. um, it like you said it gives you the cryptic hints didn't know about the color code so check that out but some of them are um fun to figure out some of them are not However, what I would say does save this game from that particular problem is that if you actually go to the item shop and you ask the shopkeeper, hey, mm-hmm. what the hell does this uh, prophecy mean? He'll be like, oh, this this thing? I'll tell you, but if you give me like two a couple of time shards, like 500 time shards or something like that. And if you do that, it'll mark the exact location of where you need to go for that particular riddle. Right. So that's how I was able to solve. If I couldn't solve the riddle, I just asked the the shopkeeper. And then after that, I was able to easily find where I needed to go. But I I did think that the riddles were interesting because in that regard, you got a choice of whether, okay, I want to actually spend time figuring out this puzzle and where to go. Or, okay, I just need help. Tell me exactly where to go. It took me a little bit to figure out that you could do that. But Mm -hmm. since you really don't use the time shards for anything else and you start accumulating more than you could ever spend, hey, just give me, tell me where to go. And I felt like it, that easily solves that problem. Yeah, I, 
I didn't remember that. I maybe I did it a few times, and maybe I just saw the cryptic hints and tried and failed, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. I mean, a... it's not really well known unless because most time for the shopkeeper, you pretty much have expended all of your dialogue, so you wouldn't really think to talk to them again. Right. Yeah. But in this case, you know, it's just one of those things that is newly available for the game. But aside from that, I did have other problems with the game. Yeah, for sure. One of my other problems is during this section, there's like these puzzles you have to solve where you have to switch time and do Mm -hmm. like a sequence of items um, to unfreeze the dragon um, and Mm. to plant the seed that will... uh, uh, with those two like oh, bodybuilding ogre guys, yeah, yep. um, those things I I could not figure out. It seems like I think it's I think those are pretty unreasonable to like expect because like especially for one of them to unfreeze the dragon, you have to go back to a boss room from really early in the game mm-hmm. that you have no reason to go back to, and you'll get a hint, but the hint is not very helpful i don't think Mm -hmm. and so i was reading like a guide for it and it was like oh go back to the the porcupine lady's boss boss room you'll get this item and then you have to go do this thing which Mm -hmm. doesn't really make a whole lot of sense then you have to switch the time and come back later and a bunch of stuff and i just I, i don't know i just don't i don't like that you know endless fetch quest thing that was going on and the collecting the music notes like when I knew what to do was pretty fun, but I spent too much time being frustrated at not knowing what to do. That's so funny that you mentioned that because I did. I had a similar problem, but I actually did like the riddle-esque um, and the adventure game-ish mechanics that, you know, you have to figure out, oh, give this item to this person, then this. I mm-hmm. enjoyed those, and I didn't have that much um, problem implementing those that that specific game mechanic the problem that i had difficulty was in navigating the map once it did open in navigating the map and easily accessing areas that i knew i needed to go to and i needed to figure out how to get to but i didn't know how to get to them easily because the time when you're going in these different uh time gates they change the time and then places that places are previously unaccessible are now available and vice versa so they Mm -hmm. what kept happening for me was that okay i have to go here i'm gonna go here so now there's a portal that gets me close ish to where i need to go but i still need to go like three different levels past so i need to go through level a b and c just run past all of these enemies I get there and then I need to figure out the exact sequence of the gates that I need to do to make this part accessible. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but oftentimes I would do the wrong, the wrong sequence. I would fall down like the ledge that you cannot know that you can't get back up because you're in the wrong time period. So this wall is, is not able to be climbed. So Mm -hmm. your only option is to go all the way around. And I feel like, I feel like it was so much frustration and just this would be so much simpler if there was 
a much better teleportation system. They yeah. have teleporters easily available only from the item shop that only take you to specific locations. Yeah. But I feel like they could have easily implemented something like Hollow Knight where there's this underground system or whatever or a teleportation system um, like a couple different checkpoints in the level itself that you can teleport to more areas than just this one specific area and this one specific level that kind of is isolating and is blocked out from the rest of the level. So it, it made it very, very frustrating when I knew I had to go here, but I couldn't get to it just because I was fighting the level more than I was fighting the enemies in the actual game. Yeah, the the teleporters are lacking, I think. Let's say there's let's say there's 12 levels in the game and you can teleport to 7 of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's enough. Sounds right. Yeah. I don't think it's enough. I agree. There's and there's a a couple specific levels where you have to go more than one time um in the second half of the game and you have to teleport to a level that's like two levels over. And, yes. you know, it, it doesn't take a super long time, maybe like 10 minutes to get from the teleporter to the place where you need to go. But that whole time you're jumping through and you're like, why couldn't they just put another teleporter in this other level? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> so. Right. And I will say that I think it's interesting um, because right before this game, I had played Metroid Dread. And the yeah. problem that I had with that game was that basically they do a really poor job in showing you where you need to go. They don't guide you kind of like they do with this game, but with at least the messenger, it has that hint system where if you are truly stuck, you can ask the shopkeeper and they'll tell you exactly where to go. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more handheldy in that regard, but the frustration that I was having and, you know, having to go through all these extra sections of all these other levels, I was actually able to find solutions that way of what I needed to do for the more adventure aspect of the Metroidvania because I was visiting these new places anyway and I would come across a new item or a new person that I talked to and then and then that was how I found out you know that uh you know the mage villain Ruxican yeah that you needed to get his staff and you needed to go into his coffin I was Mm -hmm. going through that area and I, I had found that that had changed um, also, the the part that you were um, explaining where, you know, how am I supposed to know I need to go to this old boss? I was going through those parts already because I had to, so I just stumbled across them. And then when I actually got to those parts where I needed those items, I was like, oh, I know exactly where to go. How can I get there? That's going to be the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I'm definitely not somebody who, like deals with frustration very well in video games like I'm I'm very honest about that so like if you found those areas to be fine then like that's cool um and like my kind of like I'm very quick to get frustrated if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in a game unless like mm. unless that's the point of the game you know like I'm playing a, yeah. a couple other games right now where like kind of the point is that the game doesn't tell you what to do and you have to explore until you find it I don't think that this is that kind of game, though, and I just got mm-hmm. kind of frustrated. But that's yeah, fair enough that's if fair. you didn't have that same experience. Yeah, I think we both, though, can definitely agree on 
it's not a great implementation of a metroidvania like this is not the game to go to if you want a metroidvania experience right. that won't make you frustrated because we were both frustrated but because of different for different things reasons. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's not that's not a great sign another thing that was frustrating for me is like in the first half of the game you go through the levels in a certain direction you know you go from right mm -hmm. to left on this screen or you go from left to right and the platforming challenges are designed for that. And then in the second mm -hmm. half of the game, sometimes you need to go through the other way. And yep. I don't think that most of those, sorry, I don't think that all of those levels and like especially more difficult platforming rooms, I don't think they work very well when you go backwards. And there's one level in particular in the glacial peak where it's like a it's a cloud stepping challenge where you have to grapple hook on these like flying medusa heads and oh, mm -hmm. but they're coming from left to right so when you're also going left to right i found it really really difficult and i needed to go through there so mm -hmm. yeah there are just a couple rooms that i thought were kind of weak when you're going the other way but yeah yeah I definitely felt that. It was kind of like that sensation of when you're trying to learn to read anime, you're used to reading a book left to right, but anime is like you're supposed to read this specific pain from right to left, and mm -hmm. you, it's just something you figure out, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked about the Metroidvania section and how I don't think it's that great. Let's talk about kind of some cool stuff uh, and like kind of go in order in the story so i think i think most of the bosses in the first half of the game are good i think most of them are pretty easy and mm -hmm. but they're not easy in a like pushover kind of way like you you do have to learn it you might die like once or twice while you're learning mm -hmm. it um i really like the fight with the two bodybuilding like cyclops dudes i yeah. think that's a fun fight um and i think those guys are funny and a good example of like the game's sense of humor Yes, um, I agree. There's that other boss where it's like uh it's like a, a big glowing green circle with a face on it. And oh yeah, remember. the soul thing. I forget yeah. what its name was, but yeah. Same. That was pretty funny. I think it was I... the one controlling the golem. Yeah. And after you beat yep. it, he cries because you destroyed yes. his uh his <laughs> golem and like the it has like an animation of him crying and then mm. you say like Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. And he's like, "No, it's he's okay. Like, it's, it's, it's a misunderstanding. It's it's okay." And let me then, help you get to this new area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then after you leave, he you can see him like kind of crying, but then like looking up hopefully at you. It's kind of mm -hmm. cute. And then you do the same thing in the DLC with him, exactly, because it turns yeah. out he's controlling the Toto, which yeah. I thought was a very very good boss fight. I love that boss fight. Oh, it God. was difficult, I felt like, because it was more platformy, but I appreciated it because it felt different from just the standard boss fights that we got in the base DLC. I have that as one of the bosses that I hate because of the um, insta-kill pits. I really like... Oh, okay, yeah. That, yeah, I could see that. I got around that by doing the glide and downward slash yeah but on he his head. yeah but he he sends a puff of air that pushes you away and mm -hmm. so you can't just do that forever and there's one attack where he puts like spikes on his his totem box and slams down and 
he destroys some of your uh, platform when he mm-hmm. does that. And if you get hit by that, it'll just push you straight through the pit and kill you instantly. And it's very lame. Yeah, there's, I, I agree. <laughs> there's you one other boss. When you're fighting the dragon, the dragon also takes away your platform, yes. but I never found that to be, didn't find that to be as difficult. I did die a few times and I was still mad because I hate all 2D bosses that open up insta-kill pits, but Mm -hmm. yeah. That was the one that I had the problem with, actually. That was the one where I could not do the downward slash on those fireballs to get to Oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, Near the end, there is a chase sequence. You go into, like, an alternate dimension, and uh, you go and retrieve this... uh, thing i can't remember what it is i should have written it in the notes but you go get this uh this MacGuffin, and while mm-hmm. you're bringing it back you get chased by this eldritch monster and it's the only only chase sequence like this in the game and you have to grapple like i said earlier before yes. the spoiler wall this section where you have to just grapple your way through the level because you won't get enough speed without it um my first time playing that i died I don't know, seven, eight hundred times really? <laughs> doing that chase sequence. My replay. I, Sorry. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. Absolute sucker for chase sequences. So I really? loved every bit of it. I don't think I died that many times doing it. I definitely died a few times, but any time I know how cheesy it is, you know, it's this chase sequence, but I love a good chase sequence. Okay. Maybe because I played both of the Ori games. Uh, or in mm. the blind forest in the will of the wisps and those have lots of chase sequences in them um, yes. if you like chase sequences you should play those um, oh uh, yeah I have I love those games <laughs> yeah so the second time I played this I beat it the first try because I I remembered how hard it was the first time and I remembered how to do it kind of but the monster is really cool it's kind of cool and then you come out through the, the portal on the other side and they're like what was what did you see in there and your your character is basically like you don't want to know. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I um, love that part. Let's see. So after you beat the final boss in the Temple of Time, which is a kind of cool, uh, cool boss fight, I think, like the mm-hmm. the the pink um, kind of golem type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you beat them, uh, you successfully deliver the scroll to a future version of like the ninja village from the beginning of the game um it's kind of cool how like you were waiting for the western hero at the beginning of your game and now you are the western hero delivering the scroll and i thought that was kind of cool i did but i also it confused me a bit because i would uh just as far as the overarching story because you do defeat eventually defeat the demon king and all of that uh jazz Mm -hmm. but as I was kind of curious as to where they were going with the story because if you're just always passing the story, the scroll from person to person, like when are you? Like when is the end of the of the loop? I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of what the second half of the story deals with is trying to close mm-hmm. this loop. Um, so you you pass the scroll, and I thought this was really funny. Like a couple things, like in short succession. You pass off the scroll and you're done as a messenger. And so they finally tell you like, hey, dude, you've earned it. Go open up the cabinet. And I was like, oh, the cabinet. I can open the cabinet now. 
So you go over and you open it and it's a shopkeeper's uniform and you're, it's like, okay, you're done. You're the new you're shopkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was you really get funny. To greet, you get to greet the person that you gave the scroll to who has a gun. <laughs> He's yeah. like a military man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause it's like thousands of years in the future. So it's like right. a, yeah, super like high mod- tech. Yeah. And then he doesn't show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I also uh, thought it was funny and clever how like, for the shopkeeper's point of view, they just like between the times where they're coming in and out, like no time passes mm-hmm. for the shopkeeper. They just are continually coming in and out. Yeah. Just like the shopkeepers kind of exist in like this dimension outside of time or something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, it's cool. And then that new messenger that you pass the scroll to with the gun, he dies almost immediately, which is. <laughs> yep. Which is kind of funny how, like, you said you were wondering where the story was going. And I was like, obviously, this isn't the end of the game because the game's still going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, the new messenger died. Guess you're getting called out of retirement. Like, one more job. And also, has this never happened in all the eons of their existence where a messenger has never died? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, I I think the issue was that they're... um, their little, you know, reviving time devil never came to, you know, reverse and make sure that reverse time so that they didn't die in the first place. Oh, right. Yeah, we we didn't talk about him before the spoiler wall. This is the mm-hmm. story of the podcast. I'm always forgetting something before <laughs> the spoiler wall. But if you're listening and you haven't played, you there's this little devil dude who when you die, you don't lose all your currency but what he does is you owe him a certain amount. So like you go and collect these crystals as you're going through the levels and he'll just take them until mm-hmm. you've paid enough and then he'll leave. And that character is pretty funny. He's always kind of making fun of you for dying uh, so much talking about mm-hmm. like how much money he's making because of how In much you're dying. Yeah. yeah. I think he even brings his cousin to laugh at you one time. Cause you're <laughs> like, wow, there's no way this guy died at this X amount of times. Yeah. But I, I think the reason um that he died too was because, and they ran through this quick, but in one of the dialogues, they were like, oh, we didn't tell you that you're the one who's supposed to call the time devil so that he doesn't die or something like that. Oh, right. It was right. kind of glossed over. So that's why the other messenger like doesn't revive and you have to go, right. uh, you have to go take mm-hmm. care of it. Oops. I guess you I guess yeah, I guess you're not really cut out to be a shopkeeper. You're more of a (laughs) more of a messenger warrior type. Works for us because we like to play the game. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of warrior type, um, did you come into this problem with the Demon King? I thought he was so easy. The Demon King at the end? Yeah, I thought he would be like such a challenge to take down and like I beat him on either my first or second try. I was like, wow. This is yeah. the Demon King. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the ones that I beat on my first try, at least on this mm-hmm. replay. I'm not sure about the first time I played, but yeah, it's it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I think about it, maybe I died a few times. I'm thinking, is like not the big red... Are you talking about the big red demon yeah. or the small red yeah, guy? Yeah, it's, it's the big red okay. demon. Yeah, that, that one, one was easy. Like, yeah, yeah I, I thought that was pretty much of a letdown but i am glad that wasn't the end of the game because i thought he would for sure be the end of the boss and the actual end boss did um did 
was was worthy of a final endgame boss. Like, it was pretty tough for me. Yeah. So let's talk about that kind of endgame. So when you get all the music notes, you can open up this cursed music box uh, where this musician named The Phantom is inside. Very creative name for a, a cursed musician, <laughs> The Phantom. Um mm-hmm. And so he's the one who created the scroll because he wanted to stop the curse. And so this is the reason why this like cycle is going over and over again. And so you go into the music box, you do these uh, tough platforming challenges, kind of like your final exam for platforming in the game. And then you fight the phantom. And I, I thought it was really fun, that last boss mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, I was a little bit lacking. I felt like it was a little bit lacking for the platforming, his platforming section, because I felt like it was pretty easy, especially considering all the, the platforming that had come before. I uh-huh. I like never, I felt like I never died just going through the screens. It was a pretty lengthy se- section though, just getting to the boss. And I felt like it was still very fun just mm-hmm. like being in the music box and that world and you know just getting to him but yeah the the platforming i wish it was a little bit harder but at the same time this isn't a game like celeste which like which is known for like having really tough platforming that you're just meant to you know finally get it and finally succeed on the platforming yeah but the boss fight was fun so yeah i thought the platforming in the uh the time temple or whatever it's called before the kind of fake out ending halfway through the game I thought that was harder than the music box platforming Mm -hmm. Um, maybe just because I you know by the time I got to the music box I had five more hours of game under my belt that's fair (laughs) yeah yeah, the final boss is fun and then um, I don't know I I probably died a few times but it, it was not even close to the hardest boss in the game um which we already talked about that fucking totem. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like I I had a harder time with the final boss than the totem. I feel like the totem okay. was hard though. Okay. So yeah, the phantom. You beat the phantom and you rescue him, but like the curse inside of him is like sentient and comes out and is talking about how it's going to destroy the world. And then mm-hmm. you, with the blue robe dudes, you uh, you do, do the, the thing, thing again. Again, they're always talking about doing the thing. Um, so you do that, and that is the end of the main game. You destroy the curse. You kind of break this cycle, and the game like sets you free within the game to go and do the collectibles and stuff. There's no like kick to new game plus or anything like that. Um, did you do anything like that after you beat the game? No, I actually didn't. Well, after I beat the game, because you had told me, you know, the DLC's free, yeah. then I had started to back up. But before then, I didn't feel the need to go after any power seals or anything like that. I felt like the game was done, yeah. or it had definitely... It didn't overstay its welcome, and I didn't want it to. It it had briefly overstayed its welcome in that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it didn't in give a... you any power-ups or anything extra for a while, so I was pretty done with it by that time. Yep, same. And, like, I went and did the DLC this after this, but I did not go back to do any optional uh, power seal challenges mm-hmm. afterwards. 
It did make me excited, though, for a potential sequel, especially with the DLC, with how it ended and everything, because I feel like one character in particular that was talked about and used in the game, she was underutilized, and that was the messenger that came before you, Mm -hmm. who was also a villain. Uh, I think she was the Queen of Quills or something like that. Um, And I felt like she, oh, this would be a really interesting thing to either switch perspectives like have you be her or integrate her a little bit more of the story um but maybe they're saving that for a sequel or something like that who knows yeah actually uh this studio because i backed their next game on kickstarter because i love the messenger so much um their next prequel right their next game is uh it's a turn-based rpg set in Mm. this same universe so i don't know what they're going to be doing if it's going to be even based on messengers at all um, okay. but maybe just like shared lore between the two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, their next one's a turn-based RPG. Interesting. Sign so, me up. I love turn-based RPGs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think maybe it's slated for a 2023 release or something like that. Man, games okay. take so long to make. I, I'm amazed when I look at like retro games and how they were like, we'll put out a new Zelda game every two years or something like that. <laughs> Not like <laughs> right. that anymore. And do you remember when the messenger came out? Because I feel like it's been a while, right? It was 2018. Oh, much sooner than I thought it was. I thought it was oh. like 2016 or 17. No, nah, it's 2018. So, hmm. but yeah, been in between the messenger and their next game, probably at least four or five years. Wow, it's crazy. So, yeah, but I, I, th- I mean, their Kickstarter goal was met, so I think they'll have time and resources to make their next game and i'm I'm sure the messenger made them a little bit of money because mm-hmm. it's pretty successful as far as indie uh you know platformers go right yeah and just going off of their humor alone i feel like that's obviously the one thing that's going to be their through line for the next game just because yeah. i feel like that's something as a studio they won't shake yeah for uh, sure. and it's since hearing it's the same universe it's probably going to be the same uh so that's exciting and then i'm interesting interested to see what they're going to do with the new genre though because that's a big change it is yeah it's about as about as big a change as you can get Mm -hmm. going from uh going from this to like turn-based jrpg combat right but so. hey, Yakuza did it with Yakuza Like a Dragon. Went mm-hmm. from <laughs> what GTA kind of like fighting yeah, like, stuff with RPG. So who knows? Yeah, for sure. And like like I said, I really like this game. They're they're obviously good at making games. So I was mm-hmm. confident enough to uh, to get on the Kickstarter for the next one. Nice. Uh, we talked well, about the. We'll be there. Yeah, we talked about the DLC. Uh, just before we got off on that little thing. So like, let's just wrap this up by talking about the DLC. So we talked about that totem boss, which you found to be fun. And I found to be like, I think it's a good boss fight, but I just wish it didn't have those instant kill pits. I thought Mm -hmm. it was difficult enough. Or so it has that attack that the spikes come and it slams down and it destroys the clouds that are under you. And then it has that attack where it blows the tornadoes and you have to do your three heights of jumps to get through. Mm -hmm. And if they just did that, like if the thing came and destroyed the end part of the cloud and then it did the tornado thing and you fail the tornado so you get hit by the spikes behind you, Mm -hmm. I would have been fine with that. 
or if they did like that slamming attack hits you and destroys the clouds but knocks you back mm-hmm. I would have been fine with that but it slams on top of you and just pushes you straight down through the hole and it's an instant mm-hmm. kill and I got hit by that at least 15 times and I got really mm-hmm. frustrated <laughs> I never got hit by it because I would time when it was about to fall. And what I did was I think I got killed by it once. And then I was like, okay, I know how to solve this. And all I did was go all the way up to exactly where the boss was like right in front of it, wait for it to fall and then back up. And then it would only break that one tile right in front of the totem, which I wouldn't need anyway, since I was going, you know, cloud stepping up to its face to hit. Right. I tried to do that. And like, I, my my reaction time just must have been too slow because I could never like I could see like oh it's coming go but I could never get out from under it mm-hmm. it's I definitely had... like a rhythm that yeah. you had to like get with that totem boss yeah um, and I remember my first playthrough too I had a huge like a really hard time with that boss it, like, I think it's by far the hardest in the game mm. um, yeah that's Not fair much... I, I died a bunch of times but I think I died more times with some of the other bosses. Right. Oh, that's fair enough. These kind of games like where the bosses are all pretty different from each other, they like since they are so different, there's going to be one that finds like the thing that you're not good at. Yes. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um I don't have a lot to say about the actual levels in the DLC except I think that they're really good challenging platforming uh challenges. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like we said, this is this is what I wish the second half of the game was, was just increasingly harder platforming challenges. Maybe give me one more platforming thing that I can do and then build more mm. challenges based on that. But yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I think the only thing like platforming wise that they had introduced was like um, kind of like a puzzle ish element where they had like these levers that you can pull, push and pull, which would like bring up like another uh another gate that was time that you had to hurry up and platform to so mm-hmm. i enjoyed those parts as well but yeah pretty much more of the same here but definitely the variety helped for sure especially after like what eight ten hours of the base game of the same thing yeah for sure and there are any other bosses besides the final boss that uh, are worth mentioning you think in the dlc uh, I did enjoy, you know, the initial ski level, like right. the wave wire rider, which was kind of a boss because you had to, you know, a- after, you know, getting your gems and stuff, you have to still make sure that you kick the bombs in the squid's face or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I did enjoy that, especially as it like was the first one and it kind of set the tone for what this DLC would be. I was like, oh, this is like a different boss battle. OK, yeah. hopefully we get more. And we did. They were all varied. Um, I felt the boss, the totem one was more of the same, but the final boss for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I agreed that, uh, that I also enjoyed that kind of jet ski or water ski boss. I enjoyed that level. I thought that was fun. And then the boss was pretty fun at the end. I died a few times before I kind of like learned how to dodge the attacks, but mm-hmm. Like with all the other bosses, it restarts you right outside the kind of boss encounter. So you don't have to do that whole like three minute, you know, water ski level again. Um, yeah, pretty fun boss. And then the yeah. final boss, like you said, which is Ooh. not a um, messenger style boss at all. You <laughs> you take over the body of that kind of golem 
from the uh, middle of the game, which was your what you thought was the final boss, you take over its body and you have a like Mike Tyson's punch out style <laughs> boxing match with uh with the Demon King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty much, uh, you know, they did the thing one last time, but <laughs> I yeah. wasn't annoyed because I was like, oh, this is way different. I was actually yeah. surprised that it was the final boss because I thought they would have ended it on a more traditional the messengers boss where you know platforming hack and slash until they're dead so yeah. it it was a nice change yeah for sure and i don't know what did you think do you do you have experience playing this kind of boxing game no i don't honestly i had yeah. a little bit of experience with the wave rider but not this like punch like you said mike tyson's punch out definitely not and i thought it was fun and it, like cute for like a one-off like boss fight but right. i definitely wouldn't want them to repeat any of those that they did experiment with they were fun for like just doing it one time right yeah it was pretty fun and it's not very complicated it's it's like uh you know you can block and you can dodge left and right up and down and then you have a couple different attacks and you're you're building up this like fury meter where like once it's full you can do this ultimate attack that's basically mm -hmm. like takes out one whole life bar and it's best uh first person to lose th all three of their life three bars rounds. i think uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. three rounds to use boxing terminology yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that it, final round was pretty tough. He started throwing hooks and i was like okay i can't tell which way you're going so i'm just going to guess yeah <laughs> I think by the final round, I so I died once learning the controls, and then the next time I played it, I still had all three of my lives when I was on his final life. So he killed me a few times during that, but mm -hmm. I was still able to build up that like barrage meter and just mm -hmm. use that to win at the end. So it, it was, was like, yeah, go ahead. It, it was challenging, but like. I can see this if they were like, we're going to make this like super difficult and realistic and that would have sucked, but mm -hmm. they didn't. They were just like, let's make this, let's make it fun. They'll have fun with it. And then mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very kind of subversive way to finish the game. Like you said. Yeah, definitely agree. I think for me, it was like more of a nail biter where it was like down to like one HP for both of us. And like, I <laughs> yeah. barely got it off. But I think, like you said, I didn't die. I think I died like one time. And then the second time I was like, okay, let's go. But it was definitely fun to do it for one time. Yeah. And that's the end of the DLC. And for both of us, that was the end of the messenger and a fun way to finish the game. And I think, yeah, like we said, the first half of the game is a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, just I don't have a lot of like spoiler details because the story is not very sparse and the stuff you get is like cool to see, but it's not really, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, the lore of this game. So the mm -hmm. spoiler section is just kind of like, you know, lightning round. Hey, this was cool. This was cool. You know, that's cool with me. That's kind of fitting for the game. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely like, I think the standouts, I guess, from the story, I like the overarching story, but what I liked was how so many times the main character or the character that you were traveling with would become friends with, like, one of the villains that you had just defeated. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, the last time that happened, it was, like, with that rope, that flying robot and the dragon that you were flying on. Yeah. And, like, they, he wanted to be a butler or something like that, so he got to be a butler and they became friends, but... It was definitely, I, I love the character interactions in this game, um, as opposed to, you know, me loving the story. The story was a nice, like, bow at the end that they tied all together, but I feel like the game definitely shines best when you look at the characters individually. Yeah, and that kind of, like, those story things that happen in the middle where you take over the shop and then the other messenger dies that was kind of cool and kind of gave me that little push to like, okay, here we go again. Let's do it. You know? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the purpose it serves. And I think it's fine for that purpose. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Good game. So thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about the messenger. That was great. Good times. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so anyone listening, once again, check out the Dukes of Gaming podcast for more of Alfredo and his buddies. It has my endorsement for uh, just a very like diverse group of people with different like interests and stuff talking about games. I'm enjoying it. And if you want to support this show again, the best thing you can do is rate and review and tell people about a video games podcast that you like. Uh, if you like The Messenger, share this episode and tell people there's an episode because i i i haven't seen many other podcasts talking about the messenger it's part of what made me want to do an episode about it because i really like it you know i want to hear people talk about it so Mm. be the change you want to see in the world i guess yes (laughs) yeah and they definitely had a bunch of hype when this game first came out but yeah yeah it's it's definitely there's not a whole lot of people talking about it anymore so Mm. Cool. Well, let's wrap this up. Once again, Alfredo, thanks for joining. And everyone listening, check out the social media links both for the Dukes of Gaming and for Tales of Tales from the Backlog, even my own show, Tales from the Backlog, in the episode description. Um, all the links down there. So thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. See ya.